Governor Reynolds, Iowa needs a mask mandate. What a week. My name is Matt Sinovic. I'm the executive director of Progress Iowa. And I'm Ivy Beckenholt, communications director of Progress Iowa. Welcome to What a Week with hot takes about the week's news and shout outs for people doing good in the world. This week, we will give our uh, delayed reaction to uh, this year's election results, but we will start with what made headlines the past week. Um, in The first up is just the crisis of COVID. I mean, this is as bad as it has ever been in our state. Um, it's spiking all over the country, but in a country that is failing, Iowa is failing even more than most states. We're consistently among the top states for cases per capita. Um, we're now seeing that Iowa's hospitals are reaching or at capacity, um, which means that they're just out of beds. They're out of places to put people. They're out of um, and in many cases, what that means is that they're out of like medical professionals to care for people. Um, so, uh, and today that we're recording on uh, Friday the thirteenth, uh, you know, cross your fingers that that isn't awful during twenty twenty. But uh, we're, we're recording on Friday, November thirteenth, and for the first time, Iowa has had more than five thousand cases um, in a day. Um, in a day. And Ivy, I remember when this started, it took us a bit, but uh, Iowa crossed this threshold where we had more than 10,000 cases. Um, and at the time that we passed uh, South Korea, the entire country of South Korea, um, they had just 10 or it was 10 or 11,000, something like that. Um, but we pretty quickly passed them. We just hit 5,000 in a day. Um, that is bonkers. Um, I mean, what what are you reading? What are you hearing about what the governor's doing? I mean, I know that uh, we can just roll right into the next item on the list here. But I mean, you've been you're the one who tracks the governor's news conferences for us. Um, what is what is she saying? And what what's the response from the state? I mean, basically, it just seems like there's still this narrative of balancing you know, people's jobs and lives, like business and lives. But it seems to me that, you know, but it's not really balanced right now because, you know, we're getting such high rates of COVID that, I mean, it's clear that like big business is being put in front of like Iowan lives and such. And so that's just disappointing. And I mean, I think for a while people thought, like I talked to a friend recently who's in Iowa and she thought that the cases were like not as bad recently until like she heard all this hospital stuff because things seem to be like calming down. But it's just because there's been like this narrative of things calming down and people haven't really, not everyone has been seeing like the urgency of how bad the cases are getting. Like it doesn't seem like it's as bad as it was in March, but it's even worse. So that's just interesting. But yeah, like kind of moving. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I feel like she talks about the, the COVID fatigue a lot. And I get that, you know, people don't want to be locked in their house. People don't want to, for whatever reason, it's too much to wear a mask for some people to protect themselves and each other. Um, CDC just had some information out. I saw it today. I don't know when it was released, but I saw news coverage of it today that um, uh, wearing a mask 
actually helps protect yourself too. It's not just other people. So, which is really interesting. I think we'll, I mean, we're just continuing to learn more and more about it. But if you, in, if you breathe this disease in, it makes sense that it would at least provide some protection. Um, I mean, until now it was, that had not been reported, but, um, but that's new out today. But, uh, um, I don't, I just, I, I, we hear about COVID fatigue a lot, but, but I wonder if it's because the governor and other leaders are not focused on it as much. Like people just don't like the, 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 the kind of the disconnect you're talking about. I mean, if the governor's not worried and if the president isn't really worried or concerned, then why should I be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this whole COVID fatigue thing, I think it's more so like feeling like you can't do the things you normally do, not necessarily being like, oh, I hate this mask so much. Right. It's like, I don't think that's like, it's not really that hard to wear it, but whatever. No. Yeah. And I mean, I think that the thing that I don't, I don't, what I really don't understand is like, if, if she put in, if we put a real mask mandate in place and people followed it, um, you could do almost everything that you'd normally do. Maybe there'd be restrictions on like how many people you could fit into a movie theater or into a restaurant, but you could do those pretty, I think overall you could do it at least somewhat safely, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. um, this is where I'm gonna get into dangerous territory because I'm not an expert on any of this uh, on that, but but like, but being inside, if you're wearing a mask is far safer. I mean, it's why people are traveling by plane a little bit more, you know, because the airlines are enforcing that. Um, uh, um, So I don't know, I, I, I think that could be a real key to doing what the governor says she wants to do, which is keeping businesses open. Um, while also, I mean, she always says that first too. I'm gonna go on a little tangent here. Like she always, when, during these, when I've been able to watch the press conferences, she always talks about keeping our businesses open. And that's the first thing she says. She doesn't ever appear to acknowledge the, the loss of life. She doesn't, I, I don't know if she's ever called any of the families of the the people that have lost loved ones uh, to COVID-19 um, and offered her condolences. She certainly doesn't express a lot of that publicly, um, but she does talk a lot about business owners and that's fine. Like that, that's important, but it should be, it, but that should take a back seat to keeping people alive. Um, so, uh, but this is a way you can do both is just requiring people to wear masks. I don't get it. I mean, just to add to tangents here, another thing that she keeps (laughs) mentioning in her press conferences is like the fact that it's uh, like most of the deaths and hospitalizations are affecting older people as if like, oh, it's okay because it's just affecting older people. Like it kind of adds to that narrative. Like you shouldn't be like that worried if you're younger. And I mean, it's just, I don't know. I think that's inconsiderate. Like just saying, yeah. like, I, I love to say the word like a lot. That too. <laughs> uh, so next up kind of going with this is just the fact that Governor Reynolds has been only really pushing this public awareness campaign. I mean, I don't know how effective that's going to be like months and months after it starts and she's not even been wearing the mask in public enough. And then she had this partial mask mandate that only requires it inside for over 25 people and outside over a hundred. I mean, that is insane. Like an insane amount of people to start 
like your requirements. Yeah, and it doesn't even apply to everyone. I mean, a reporter asked if it applied to so the groups of 25, um, mm -hmm. if it applied in schools, and she said no. So the Des Moines Register has a list. I, I, we should link to this in the, in the episode because I can't remember all the different dang loopholes or exceptions or whatever in this new thing that the governor's doing to require masks in some uh, large groups. But like, it, it's just, I was listening to her, listening to her explain it was confusing as heck. And like, mm -hmm. and that's one thing I think that a mask mandate would help with is a clarity, like just a clarity of communication. It's not like, oh, if it's in this situation, if it's in that situation or this, and people are like, well, I don't know what it is. I don't remember what it is. Just wear a damn mask. Like, that's that's it. So no, I don't think this PR campaign is going to do much at this point. Um, uh, it's I guess it doesn't hurt. You know what I mean? Like, it, it certainly can't make anything worse. Um, right. And uh, uh, but but I, I, I don't know that this that what she's doing with the mask mandate with, with these mask requirements is going to be get it done because it's so confusing um mm -hmm. and these laws need to be or these rules or proclamations or whatever like they need to be easy to understand um because right. people are already confused about what's what's going on mm -hmm. like this might have been good you know however many months ago seven months ago but i mean things have gotten to a point where it's just too crazy it's like putting a band-aid on I don't know, the expression, something that's like gushing or whatever. Right. But yeah, it's just too much. Yeah. Um, I think we'll, to, to keep it on, on COVID, this one, I mean, one other item here, and we wish her the best, uh, at least in her uh, personal health. Um, uh, hopefully she gets better soon, but newly elected uh, uh, Congresswoman, representative-elect, I guess, Ashley Hinson, uh, had a positive COVID test, and I mean, it's it's really unfortunate um, that she tested positive, but it's frankly not entirely surprising. You see Republican events with almost no masks occurring all over the state, um, and uh, I mean, I don't know. We don't know. I have not seen where this happened, but it's hard for me not to think that this occurred during the last few days of the campaign when they were likely holding events and, and, or possibly election day, election night, um, at a celebration. And, and again, hopefully she recovers soon, did not infect anyone else. Um, but I hope it's a, I, unfortunately, I think when someone like this gets COVID and recovers, they take it not as an opportunity for a warning, but what we saw as with President Trump, when President Trump got it and recovered, he took it as an opportunity to tell people it's no big deal, that this disease mm -hmm. doesn't really matter. So I hope that um, that Henson uses her plat her new platform responsibly, um, and we'll certainly be following how she how she handles this. But again, hope she and her family are are well. Yeah, definitely. I hope that everything works out okay. I mean, just I mean, in the news conference yesterday, uh, they they brought this up and said that Henson was at um, an event I think in Dubuque last week, um, 
And so that's concerning. And just, and apparently she didn't have any symptoms. So that's just like, it's very concerning because I think a lot of people don't realize that they have it and they're going about their daily lives and a mask mandate could just really help. So I'll just end it on that note. Yeah. Um, last headline, and this is a unfortunate, just another unfortunate one. Um, uh, uh, Iowa, Iowa Republicans, along with many national Republicans, are just not acknowledging um, the the will of the people. I mean, voters decided across the country, um, and Iowa went for President Trump, but but a lot of the rest of the country went for uh, President Elect Biden, and um, he won with more votes than anyone in history um, nationally. Um, he won with the projected the most or the, uh, the same amount of electoral college votes as President Trump did four years ago. Um, and so uh, for some reason, though, Governor Reynolds, Senator Grassley, Senator Ernst have not acknowledged that. Um, and they've not congratulated him. They have not done anything that, that uh, signifies that he won. Um, before I turn over to you, Ivy, to get your thoughts, I do want to say I did see today that that and maybe even late last night that Senator Grassley is one that says that uh, the Biden transition team should start to receive intelligence briefings, and that's he has not acknowledged the victory, but I think that's a good sign, um, and it's just important because the with the, when the new administration comes in, they need to be up to speed on whatever threats are going on around the world whatever is happening in the world so that we can respond so that the country can respond that should go beyond politics that's just from a national security perspective they need to be informed about what's happening yeah exactly i mean i think that they need to publicly like acknowledge it just so that we can all like close the book move on focus on covid i just think we're wasting so much time on something that the people already decided right. so you know that's that on that. But I, yeah, I saw something about Grassley uh, doing that this morning. And so I wasn't sure exactly um, what that all means. So hopefully that means that they'll get the information because I mean, if we're transferring power and all these other things too late, hopefully it'll like get in the way of, you know, just the wealth of people. So there's that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up we have our hot takes where we quickly give our uh, opinions on hot topics of the week. Um, first off is just Reynolds telling essential workers to think about what they're doing outside of work. And if this wasn't a podcast, I would put up the picture of her throwing the hat at the Trump rally. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, you know, saying one thing and then doing another. She talks a lot about individual responsibility, but she won't do it. So that's disappointing. Yeah, the governor's just a liar. Like she and just a hypocrite. And, and we deserve a heck of a lot better. And that's why people are dying. That's it. That's my take. That's the tweet. That's all I got. Yeah. Next up is uh, Vice President Pence. Um, we had really, uh, earlier this week, he was responding to this really great news. Pfizer um, had positive a positive result from some of their vaccine trials. Um, 90, it was like 90% effective um, in what, I can't remember the stage they're in. Of course, there's more... There are more steps to go, and even once the vaccine is fully approved, it will take a long time to distribute, manufacture, 
you know, um, enough to, to cover or to get out to people. And I'm sure it'll come out in stages. You know, you see the, the news about that, like how the, how this is going to roll out, but it's encouraging news that it came out on Monday. Um, and vice president Pence tried to take credit for it, even though Pfizer said that they did not participate in the quote unquote operation warp speed that the white house was doing or has been doing. Um, so, and uh, re reportedly did not receive any, um, any, uh, government funding for this. I don't know if that's uh, so. So if that changes or is updated, we will obviously share that information. But right now, you or I, Ivy, my my take is that I had as much to do with this vaccine as Vice President Pence did. So I don't know what the hell he's talking about. No, I feel that. I mean, I heard that they were uh, going to give money to like get it rolled out to the public, but that the company wasn't in like the operation warp speed because they didn't want people to think that they had like a bias or whatever trying to push the vaccine too early so yeah i think it's just irresponsible he knew what he was doing so yeah <laughs> we don't need to really hear from pence anymore anyway that's so. right he went on vacation which is you know they're trying to contest this election so or supposedly which is a big scam mm -hmm. but uh um uh, I, 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 it, it's, he, he just went on vacation. So we don't, yeah, he's the last person we need. Well, maybe the second to last person we need to hear from. Mm -hmm. All right. What's up in um, pop culture this week that I don't know about? Tell me. All right. Let me educate you. So, um, last night TV fans were in a, in for a big surprise when Dr. Derek Shepard, also known as McDreamy, came back during a dream sequence on Grey's Anatomy. Uh, surprisingly, this wasn't the biggest dream sequence of the week as another TV star dreamt that he won the presidential election. That's good. Um, but I don't know most of the first part. I, 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 I know what Grey's Anatomy is, but I don't, I, I don't know who... Uh, TV's best yeah. TV show? Uh, Patrick Dempsey. Okay. Okay. Is. Um, oh, this just breaks my heart. Oh, yeah. Wow. I. I mean, I'm aware of it. I'll say. I'll, I like. I think. Mm. I feel like I watch. I've seen men like, and it's been a long time because it would have been a long time ago that I would have seen episodes of it. So I know I've seen it, but I okay. don't. I don't remember. I. I just don't remember any of that. Oh, so. Wow. Um, that's maybe, well, he maybe... died a few years ago on the show, so oh, it was like a really big deal. Okay, see that like I did the not main know. Person's husband. Yeah, I did not know that. Okay, but she came back. Side note, or he came back. Yeah. What? Yeah. So, side note on pop culture things: you sent a TikTok to our work group chat. Do yes. you have a TikTok? No, I do not have a TikTok. No. Oh wow! I was like no. so shocked. I was like, "What is no. this? This is from Matt." No, I saw someone post it, and so I sh I thought it was funny, so I shared it because I had to view it on my phone in the browser. You know, because <laughs> no! uh, I didn't. Yeah. It, I assume if I had the app, it would pop up in the app, right? Like, mm -hmm. so no, I I do I I have downloaded it at one point, but then I thought. I, I never create an account, so I just kind of yeah. browse stuff. But and then I delete. Yeah, oh. that was like for a day, and I deleted the app. So no, no, no TikTok. Oh, oh, I'll forgive it because like you're engaging a little bit with the culture. So right. yeah. Okay, thank you. So let me let me ask you this before we move on. If if Dr. Derek Shepard were in charge of the Iowa's response to COVID, would we be better mm -hmm. off than if uh, Kim Reynolds was in charge? Oh, 
Definitely. Okay. Right. I mean, I think fictional not guy, to be not, not wild, the actor, but I think the actor, if you were the fictional in, character, yeah. I think even if the actor was in charge, we would probably be better <laughs> okay. off All right. right now. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, up next this week, we do not have an interview, but um, uh, since this is our first episode since the election, uh, Ivy and I are going to offer each our personal takes on the election results. So up next, you're going to hear. Um, each one of us talking about uh, about how we felt uh, in response to this year's election, both nationally and for the state of Iowa. Last week's election was extremely intense, especially because the results for the presidential races weren't called until Saturday. But my overall take on the presidential election was that I think it was just truly Biden's messaging working better on a national level. I mean, he was able to flip several states that previously voted for Trump. Um, and so I see that kind of more so, especially on a failing on the Trump's campaign part to convey a message that lives are better today than they were when he uh, first got elected four years ago. Obviously, it's hard to convey that message when, you know, he's not doing well with COVID and, you know, the economy's not doing necessarily as great as it was before COVID. So I think that he didn't was not successful in running a re-election campaign because, you know, you're supposed to say that things are better, um, obviously not things that need to change. So I don't think that his message resonated enough um, with certain states, but obviously it kind of resonated somehow in Iowa because uh, Iowa went in a different direction voting for Trump. Ernst and a lot of down-ballot Republicans, and I think it's hard to pinpoint why exactly that is, and I think we'll know more of that as more polling comes out in the future, but I think it's likely that Trump's message resonated with some Iowans and turned a lot of his supporters out to vote, and many of them just voted down the ballot the same way. I mean, why exactly his message would resonate with a majority white state, I have no idea, you know, or insert the sarcasm, but really though, I think, you know, Iowa could come back as a swing state. I think there's a lot of fear that it can't, but I honestly think it can. I think that the Democrats just need to um, refocus if, you know, Democrats want a better shot, focusing more on emotion politics, um, getting even more exciting candidates and less about like saying certain facts, because while it may be true that Democrats want to protect health care more so because Democrats aren't trying to tear down the Affordable Care Act, the Republicans still campaign as if they're protecting health care. And so it's not necessarily working in every single district. So I think that's something that we can look at. I mean, Progress Iowa, we came out with a poll recently of Iowan voters that showed that Iowan voters more so are like they do care about progressive issues and they do support a lot of progressive issues. A lot of um, Iowan voters, even though they voted for Trump, they think that Reynolds hasn't gone far enough on COVID. I mean, they think that healthcare should be protected, protected, et cetera, but still voting for Republicans. So I think it's really just about messaging at this point, coming up with maybe even a, even a better message or even like more exciting candidates because even though a lot of people don't want to admit it, Trump was quite exciting. And so I think we might need to come up, uh, well, Democrats might need to come up with something like that. So 
we'll see how that all goes in the future. But I think overall, there was a large blame game starting to happen after what happened in Iowa. Everyone's starting to say, well, this is what went wrong. This is what went wrong. But I think we won't know exactly for a while. And I don't think that it was a lot of, I think that obviously we all think, you know, certain candidates could have done more or whatever. But I think that Iowa is turning into a thing, into a state where we look at national politics a lot too. We look at the top of the ticket. And so there's less and less that local candidates might be able to do to turn that around. So we'll see how that goes in the future. This is Matt again, um, and I'm going to give you my uh, quick takeaway on the 2020 election. Um, there were nationally some really great signs, some really big challenges and disappointments here in Iowa. Um, we're recording this on Friday, November 13th, so we know a little bit more than we did last week nationally and a little bit more locally, but not everything is, is resolved yet. Um the biggest takeaway I want to make sure and mention is that we had record turnout. I mean, it's always a good thing when people turn out and participate in the process. Um, we ran an exit poll in the state of Iowa that showed that even though there was this record turnout and more people voted for Joe Biden than voted for Hillary Clinton four years ago, and more people voted for Donald Trump than voted for him four years ago here in Iowa, but give, even given that electorate that sent um, Joni Ernst back to the Senate and voted for Donald Trump, they, Iowans support progressive policy. So I'll get to that in a minute too. Um, but it's always just a good thing when people participate in our democracy um, and show up and vote, either showing up in person uh, earlier on election day or showing up by voting, uh, voting by mail, and a lot of people did that too. I really hope that that's a kind of a sea change in how we vote, um, because there's no need to physically show up and go to the polls. It doesn't just need to be during a pandemic that we find other ways to uh, participate in the democratic process, and I think that's a really good thing. Um, so, so that was that's that's a great takeaway, and and that. And, and of course, that uh, I'm very personally excited that Joe Biden is going to be our next president. Kamala Harris, first woman, first woman of color, um, is going to be our, our, our vice president. Um, there were significant challenges in Iowa and disappointments. I mean, we, I thought that there was a chance that Democrats would take back control of the, the House of Representatives. That did not happen. They lost uh, those uh, – actually, those numbers decreased. Um, and some really great champions for um, – uh, uh, working families for healthcare, for uh, racial justice, um, and all the things that we care about uh, lost their seats. Um, uh, there are too many to name, but um, but but Heather Matson's one um, that 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 lost. That was just a, a great great uh, uh, leader um, on a number of issues, um, and th there are many many more. Um, Abby Finkenauer. Congresswoman from Cedar Rapids, uh, or from the Cedar Rapids and Dubuque, uh, Northeast Iowa district, uh, lost her race, which is really unfortunate. Um, Congresswoman Finkenauer is is uh, someone who we work, who we have worked closely with over the years, and has just been an incredible, incredible voice in Congress for the state of Iowa and for um, uh, for working families. And so she will certainly be missed. Um, Congresswoman Cindy Axney won her re-election on a very narrow margin, but she won, which is great news. Um, 
and 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 there's still there are, is still one uh, unresolved uh, congressional race. Um, uh, Rita Hart, former state senator, going up against Marionette Miller Meeks for an open seat where Congressman Dave Loebsack retired. Um, that's going to a recount because it is, uh, I believe, the last count was forty-seven votes, um, and that is just, I mean, it is many, many decimal points beyond a 50-50 tie. So it is a, it is a close, close, close race. Um, every vote just shows you that every vote counts. Um, and of course in the fourth district, Randy Feenstra was elected after he defeated Steve King in the primary over JD Shulton. And I hope that JD Shulton continues to participate and advocate for, uh, progressive change in our state because he is, uh, one of the hardest working candidates I've ever seen and does just a, a tremendous job all over the state. Um, I'll say the same thing about, I didn't say that specifically, but I want to make sure and say that about Abby Finkenauer as well. I hope Congresswoman Finkenauer uh, keeps uh, staying in this fight because we, we need her. Uh, we need her to do that too. Um, so we, we uh, lost Congresswoman Finkenauer, kept Congresswoman Axney, and we're not sure about uh, Rita Hart, but hopeful that that will turn out in her favor um, for that recount. Um, and then some some losses in the state in the state house, and we have uh, two more years where we have Governor Reynolds um, with Republican majorities in the state house and the state senate. So um, just some real challenges here in the state. And I, while people are analyzing this, I want to make sure and mention that um, it's a little soon to be going into uh, a, a, a big blame game. Um, uh, really as the votes are still being counted, there's a recount. And I, it's really unfortunate when we, um, as, uh, the left, um, turn into a circular firing squad, um, immediately after election results come in. I do think that there's always a need to evaluate what we do, including with Progress Iowa, um, and how we advocate for specific policies. And I think campaigns should go through that process as well. Um, and I hope that that takes place. I hope that can takes place not just during election years. Um, we continually monitor what we're doing to try and improve and and do and, and do a little bit better um, and a little bit better and a little bit better. So um, uh, given the challenges that happen at the polls, I assume that that's going to take place. Um, but, but I think we need to let people take a breath and 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 um, uh, take take a day, take a week to to let this settle in. Uh, before we before we uh, uh, look at things, um, when we were looking at the the record turnout and when we're looking at who showed up, um, I want to definitely want to mention the fact that that Iowans still support what what we would call progressive policies, raising the minimum wage, uh, backing a, a pu even a public option for health care, um, doing things like. Um, keeping public tax dollars in public schools only, not letting it be spent on on private or homeschooling. Um, and on down the line, um, all the results are at progressiowa.org. But there are such widespread support for the policies that we believe in because people just want to take care of each other. I think that's the main takeaway that, that I want to present from this election 
and we will work on improving our messaging. We will encourage people to take action. We have petitions up right now to call on the governor to issue a statewide mask mandate. People can sign up for our daily emails where we track the, the spread of COVID-19 in our, in our state um, and, and continue to follow us on social media to, um, to, as we monitor elected officials so that we can hold them accountable to the things that we all believe in. Um, but, but that is the Iowa and that's the America that we will keep fighting for is the one where we want to take care of everyone, where we know that we have that responsibility to one another. And so that was encouraging to me to see that, um, kind of my final takeaway is that, um, I'm, I'm very glad that we will have more protection and more help coming from the federal government because it's a Biden-Harris administration, because we're certainly not anticipating that we're going to be getting it from the Reynolds administration over the next two years, um, especially without a check on her uh, leadership in the House, State House or State Senate. So it makes that national result even more important. Um, very excited about the record turnout. And uh, we were going to be doing this anyway, but armed with that information um, from our exit poll, we are never going to stop advocating for what we believe in and for the Iowa and America that we want to see happen. So hope that you join us in doing that um, and look forward to working together on that. Next up, we have this week's shout outs where we lift up great work happening all over the state. If you have any recommendations, please send them to at Progress Iowa or at Potluck FM on Twitter. So this week, we really just want to shout out Iowa's healthcare professionals and all of the essential workers who are basically putting their lives on the line. Um, a lot of the reason due to Kim Reynolds not passing this mask mandate. So, I mean, they're really doing such great work. So just wanna thank them for sure. What a Week is produced by Progress Iowa as part of the Potluck Media Network and would not be possible without grassroots supporters like you. We are mixed and edited by Greg Cowenstein. For more information, visit potluck.fm, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next week on What a Week.